0: Overdrive.
1: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that pontificates on the issues of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and I have a terrible cold. And so fortunately I am helped in this program by Alan Service and Rob Fraser. And in this program we have some news stories including Nissan shows the first look at its Araya 100% electric crossover vehicle. Won't come out for a while yet. We have an interview where Alan Service runs through his feelings about four cars on the market and some quirky news with Brian Smith. He's away at the moment, but fortunately I pre-recorded an interview with him before I got this dreaded lurgy. It's about musicians that have made special cars. Now, here's some contact information I recorded for last week's program. Now, you can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on Spotify or iTunes or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. But let's get the program going. First, the news.
0: Nissan has just shown the world its newest vehicle. It is the Aria all-electric vehicle, but it won't be available on the market for a while. It has the outer dimensions of a medium SUV, such as Toyota RAV4. There are two different battery options, a 65kWh or a 90kWh battery, and each variation comes in either two- or four-wheel drive. There are significant usable power outputs across the models right up to a very high 290 kW and 600 Nm for the big battery four-wheel drive version. The range from a battery charge varies from 430 to 610 km. The all-new Nissan Ariya is scheduled to go on sale in Japan in 2021. It'll be priced at around 5 million yen. The Ariya is planned to go on sale in Europe, North America and China by the end of 2021.
2: Audi's latest TT Coupe was updated in September 2019. comes in two versions, the 45 TFSI for a touch under $80,000 and the TTS for just under $100,000 plus the usual costs. Here is a coupe that has reasonable performance from its 2-litre petrol engine. It will go from 0 to 100 in a little over 5.3 seconds and top out at a limited 250 km an hour all while drinking fuel to miserly six and a miserly 6.5 litres per 100k. It's a 2 plus 2 coupe, but the rear seats are really a useful luggage bench. But the large liftback provides good access to the reasonable sized boot area, making it ideal as a daily driver with the space, style and comfort to head away for a long weekend. We had the S-Line version that adds a number of great features, but the price climbed steeply as well. The on-road cost of our TT was around $91,000. I loved the simple yet functional internal layout that issues the now popular central tablet screen for a clever multifunctional and selectable digital instrument panel. In a world that sometimes overplays design, the Audi TT exudes an elegance that I loved.
0: Hino, the Toyota truck brand, has updated its light-duty 300 series truck. A pre-collision system is now standard. It warns and then automatically applies brakes if the vehicle is likely to run into an object. This aims to significantly reduce the 30% incidence of rear end collisions in rear truck accidents caused by inadequate following distances. Additionally, their safety package includes lane departure warning, hopefully reducing the over 40% of truck accidents in 2019 caused by off path on a straight road or simply wandering off the lane and causing an accident. As a result of home deliveries, the light-duty truck market has grown over 49% over the last five years. Frequent, short stop-start trips to deliver items is well-suited to the Hino 300 hybrid vehicle, which they say has improved fuel consumption. Independent tests show reduced fuel consumption by at least 21%.
2: Kia Stinger is more than a sports car. The GT means Grand Turismo, a vehicle you can drive long distances in comfort and style. We had this Stinger GT Carbon Edition, which adds carbon fibre door mirrors, grille surround, fender vents, rear skid plate and hood vent. Inside, it adds Alcantara steering wheel and a badge. Yes, the Stinger is pretty fast, 0-104.9 seconds and a top speed of 270 kilometres an hour, but that actually sells the car short. To get the same performance, you'd have to buy something like an Audi S5 Coupe that costs in excess of $130,000. Or you could buy the Hyundai version, the Genesis G70, for around $90,000. Its appeal is that it is also easy to drive every day and be exceptionally comfortable. Air-conditioned seats with multiple electronic adjustments, 360-degree cameras, walk-up boot opening are just a few of the comfort features. Add to this Kia's 7-year owner benefit package and a 5-star ANCAP safety rating. Kia Stinger GT Carbon Edition is priced from just under $65,000, plus the usual costs. Subaru XV and Kia Seltos are two main models in the small-to-medium SUV market. Both models are in many ways so close, and yet there are significant differences between them, enough to push prospective buyers either way, depending upon what they want from an SUV. The Subaru XV has been around for a few years now and a sales success. While the Seltos was released late in 2019 and immediately stamped its presence on the market. Subaru is powered by a 2.0-litre boxer engine with a CVT, while the Seltos is slightly sportier with a 1.6-litre turbo engine and a DSG transmission. Both are packed with a full suite of safety features. The Seltos has a bit more bling and comfort. The Subaru has its famous eyesight. The Seltos on-demand all-wheel drive system is good. The Subaru constant symmetrical all-wheel drive system is better. It also has significantly more ground clearance than the Seltos. So if your driving style favours the more adventurous, then the Subaru is definitely for you. The Seltos is better suited to urban driving. I'm Rob Fraser.
1: Well, I just had to crawl from my deathbed in order to have a chat with my good friend Alan Zervis, who's helped out with this program and with other programs in the past. G'day, Alan.
0: Can I ask, how are you? David, I'm well. I, I wouldn't dare uh, try and compete with the silver tonsils of David Brown, but oh, uh, well, you can now. willing and able. <laughs> I'm very well.
1: You gave us uh, read a new story for us, which was great about uh, the new Nissan. Mm. It's an all-electric car. Were you
0: impressed with the looks of it? Uh, well, I think we've seen it before, frankly, uh, with Nissan and Toyota, and even a bit of Honda but I think it's the interior that I really like. Yeah, sure, they're trying to go all out, but the interior, I think, looks smashing. And, of course, it's the range, I think, that this thing is really remarkable for.
1: Can go as high as 610 kilometres.
0: Well, as you and I know from the Nissan LEAF launch, we drove out of the airport and immediately we dropped, uh, what is that, about 160 kilometres or something. We immediately dropped... 20 kilometres, so I'll believe it when I see it.
1: That's the interesting thing, isn't it? It comes with two batteries, and it comes in either two or four-wheel drive.
0: Again, though, the performance, I think, is going to give Tesla, which uh, is four or five times as much, a run for its money.
1: Nissan has produced some fairly basic cars, which are electric. This one has made that Tesla step of having a strong degree of performance about it. The the top-of-the-line model
0: does 0-100 in... 5.1, I think I saw.
1: Which is really getting going. It's a 90-kilowatt-hour battery. That's about the size of one in the Jaguar I-PACE.
0: Well, of course, that battery is uh, 65 grand's worth. Just in the battery alone, which is probably what this car is going to cost all up.
1: A little while ago, I did a review of the Granvia. Tell us about what it is
0: and uh, what your feelings were. David, it's a a car I was really surprised with. The looks, I think, mm, how can we describe it? I think it's aesthetically challenged is the best way to describe it. However, get past those looks. It's designed to be a passenger version of the High Ace commercial van rides a little bit like the High Ace commercial van, I have to say. However, it's very quiet on the road.
1: It's made for luxury. The front of it looks like an American locomotive, I think. Very square and stand up ish, and a number of seats, very elegant seats.
0: There's the normal bucket seats in front, which are relatively comfortable, though the driver's chair's lacking an armrest. Uh, in the center, which I found to be a bit of a problem. I did a couple of hundred kilometers in it today. And that's the first thing I noticed. Also, I noticed my leg rested up against the center console very uncomfortably. So I had to kind of move that. And the second row is in my model, two captain's chairs. And each of those captain's chairs has an electric footrest. So you press a button and up comes the footrest.
1: Not aim for your typical low price off to church with a large family. Well, this
0: a large vehicle that's got six seats comfortably. So if I was going to do that, I'd probably get something else, I think. And what would that be? Probably a Kia Carnival. I agree with you. The Kia Carnival uh, drives more like a car, whereas this definitely drives like a bus. Care
1: Carnival is dominating the people-mover market, and we've just put out a video, not so much on the Carnival, but on people-movers, of which you helped with, and it's certainly a case where we have thought of people-movers as being very fuddy-duddy, yet the Carnival is far from that. It is a very complete car and, to my mind, competes very well with large four-wheel drives, Not for going wildly off-road, but for good enough for most people. Uh, Going smaller, CHR. Can we just describe that? That's a small, compact
0: SUV. It is. It's Toyota's smallest SUV. Although I really, when I drove it for any length of time, I really thought of it more as a hatch. I can't see any difference between it and a family hatch, with the exception of being slightly taller. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, This particular one was a hybrid. Uh, The normal one is a 1.2, and the hybrid is a 1.8, so it's Toyota's normal uh, hybrid, and it's a little cracker. I really liked it, though, as you well know, I have a lot of trouble getting my head around things that are asymmetric. Right. And this dash is all over the place like a madwoman's breakfast.
1: It's trying to be trendy.
0: It was released a couple of years ago, and I think it was then almost unique. It's trying to be trendy, David, like Nissan's Duke, and the Duke was, mm, again, aesthetically challenged. This is a very pleasing car to look at. So it's just inside where the dash is kind of offset to one side, and the switches for the same things on both sides of the car are bigger on one side than the other, and no, it's... I like things nice and and just so. That's why I like Volkswagen interiors and Audi interiors.
1: The hybrid worked very well.
0: Well, the thing about Toyota hybrids is they stuck around. They introduced it into the market and then they just kept perfecting it. The thing that it does that some of the others don't is that you can operate it for short amounts of time in pure electric mode. Mm. So you can go through a car park, and it's completely silent.
1: For me, it's the first 100 metres. I don't want to have noise invading my thoughts. I want to sit down and and relax into a car and then get going.
0: But you find on the highway, it'll switch into electric mode when it's coasting, and the good thing about Toyota hybrids, and all hybrids indeed, is they don't require charging.
1: The Fortuna sounds like a Chinese dish.
0: It does. A Fortuna cookie. It's a SUV that's based on the Toyota Hilux, so it inherits all of that uh, unbreakableness, but has more sophisticated rear suspension, and the drum brakes in the rear have been replaced by discs. Other than that, it's a Hilux with a proper fixed SUV rear end. Good. Yes. Yes, I remember driving it the first time and I was less than impressed simply because the ride is quite firm. But when you use it for what it's meant to be used for, it is extremely good.
1: What is it meant to be used for?
0: Well, I think it's meant to be used for a little bit of of camping, a little bit of off-roading. I took the car a little bit off-road, not too much, and it handles bush tracks, rough roads, dirt roads extremely well. Mm -hmm. and very smooth highways, it is absolutely superb. But around town, whilst it was easy to use around town, I I do feel that it it felt a little bit big and a little bit awkward at times. Do you know what they cost? Well, they start uh, sort of lowish. There's three models and they come in the one engine with the one transmission and I think that's the important thing. Uh, It was up to $60,000 for the top one. Uh, You know, that's just approximate because there's on-roads and all of that sort of stuff as well. And it's missing a few important things. It doesn't have blind spot monitoring, for example, which I think is a, a bigger mission, but it did get five stars in 2019.
1: Okay, and that's fairly recent, so that's
0: not bad. Well, I think it's one of those cars that it's a horse for a course. So if you want to, if you're a fisherman or you're a camper or you're whatever, it's going to be perfect because it will definitely take... Any rough stuff, it's as capable as a Land Cruiser 200 without some of the Land Cruiser 200 attributes. It doesn't have uh, fancy cornering control and uh, fancy crawl control. But other than that, it's brilliant. Alan, I'm
1: just doing some sign language that says thank you very much for your time.
0: And in semaphore, David, I thank you back.
1: And that's Alan Zervis helping me out here on Overdrive.
2: This is Overdrive across Australia.
1: Ryan, it's been suggested that there are some cars that have been designed by musicians. There are four that have been listed. Speed Yellow, Talbot is one of them, for example. Before I go through the four, a lot of them are really just existing or older cars that they've Tarted up a bit. This is doing for car design what Millie Vanilli did for singing. They're just imitating, they're not really creating something new. But anyway, let's have a quick look. The Rhine Speed Yellow Talbot. It is a takeoff of the 1938 Talbot Largo 150SS. Some guy who's, um, uh, have built it, a number of people, but it included the Swiss electronic duo, Dieter Mayer and Boris Blank. They put out a song called Oh Yeah. Don't look it up, Brian. It's, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's, oh Yeah was, is the fundamental voice of it. Apparently, it had a starring role in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yes. I know the song. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay.
3: Yeah, I do. I do.
1: It's a lovely-looking car. It looks a little bit like a Morgan, but, of course, it's just a a copy of a 1938 car. What do you think of the looks?
3: Look, it's, it's a pretty groovy-looking car. The weird thing about this idea of cars made by or designed by musicians is what difference is it? What, how do you look at it and go, yes, I can see the musician's influence, yes. I can see the influence of their song? Look, it's just a car, and, and I think the fact that um, the band or the grouping was known as Yellow gave them an opportunity to, to tie something to the vehicle, like a name, three names, in fact, Rinspeed, uh, Talbot, and then the Yellow part. So I, I think they're missing the opportunity, aren't they, David, to, to give us a car kind of that's influenced by music or, or a musician's vision. One of the, the other ones is a Maroda
1: Cisetta a V16T model thing, which is uh, looks a little bit like a Testarossa, I think. Mm. And therefore, it doesn't look all that different. Your point. Now, apparently, this guy was great in doing Donna Summer's disco output. I'm oh, sorry. I thought we were talking about music.
2: <laughs>
1: and then there's the Singer, which is just a Porsche 911, where you give them your car and a million dollars, and they upgrade it. Yeah, must be upgrading fairly well. The only one that perhaps tried to do something distinctively different was Neil Young from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and other bands, who's both an environmentalist and an activist. So he got a 1959 Lincoln Continental convertible and turned it into an electric car, which has about as much meaning as anything, I guess, although it did have a rotary engine in the back that burned gasoline. So it was
3: a bit of a... Contradiction anyway (laughs) And why would Neil Young Why would Neil Young work with the Lincoln Continental When one of his songs talks about A Cadillac with a wheel in the ditch And a wheel on the track Oh, okay. So the Cadillac, this is bizarre Look, I'm I'm not all that familiar with his Back catalogue and hopefully one of our Listeners will um, know more About Neil's back catalogue But I don't know that he's ever written About Lincoln Continental convertibles it's called a link vault now, which is silly. A tenuous link, a very tenuous link, and, and I just I think just the fact that Neil is, is uh, prepared to talk about environmental issues that maybe it's associated with him. I don't know, David. I think we, if we're going to try to connect musicians to cars, we've got to be able to do better. The interesting thing is that he
1: is also a rev head and I think he owns a Hummer, which tends to blow apart your concern <laughs> for the environment. Brian, if you had some other musicians to design a car, Alice Cooper, oh, he would make another Batmobile, I presume.
3: Yeah, his would be dark and sort of um uh satanic and that sort of stuff, wouldn't it? Meatloaf, I guess uh I could see him in something uh like a tiny car. I think that would be uh, that would be interesting, a micro car designed by Meatloaf. It might be designed like the Wiener burger, but like a hamburger. <laughs> So Meatloaf was famous for taking an oxygen tank onto his stage with him sometimes. So, you know, he might need sort of well, basically
1: an
2: ambulance
3: <laughs> <laughs> to keep, keep him alive. A racing car at the front and an ambulance at the back saves a lot of time. A <laughs> <laughs> mask. You could slip the mask on if you're going a bit too fast, getting overexcited. Now,
1: if you've got someone <laughs> like Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones, who I think recently said, "If I knew I was going to live this long, I would have looked after myself." If he, he built a car <laughs> it'd fall apart, and he'd feel guilty and have to keep repairing it to keep it going,
3: wouldn't he? He's- it would look shambolic. Sorry, yeah, you want a shambolic looking vehicle for a Keith Richards sort of thing, like you know uh, the type where you open the door and a whole bunch of coffee cups fall out, yeah. you know, onto the onto the ground. <laughs> And the
1: patina (laughs) would be all just rusted and faded paint. You wouldn't have a bright
3: patina on it, would you? That's true. It'd be worn out and rusty and rough as gut. And it'd smoke. I often think Luciano Pavarotti might be operating a car in my local area. You know, it's it's got an incredibly loud engine and and the driver likes to rev it like crazy. So it always makes me think of his um, rendition of Nessun Dorma, None Shall Sleep. Um, which uh, I think is quite, <laughs> quite, quite apt. <laughs> I watched the 24-hour race at
1: Bathurst years ago, and they had a range of cars on there, and the Ferrari sounded like Pavarotti, screaming, you know, a high pitch, you know, a high C. A tenor, a tenor. And the Morgan, an old v Morgan sound basso profundo.
3: Oh, very nice,
1: yeah. Had a real deep rumbling sort of sound to it. Perhaps then a musician might... Spend most of their time not on the design of the look of the car, but on the exhaust note.
3: But the sound. Yes, David. I think I, I was going to suggest we move beyond the, the cliched idea that you know a car shaped like a like a guitar or a piano or something like that, and and think about the sound, the tonal quality of the vehicle. That's like, that's I think where the opportunity exists, and and why couldn't we have? Uh, the car, particularly in this, in this age of uh, burgeoning electric cars, which are quieter, why not have the car make music as it drives along? Well, there's talking
1: about doing that, but I think Mercedes uh, contracted
3: a rock band,
1: which I, I really don't want. Others are <laughs> melodic sort of um, stuff. But to design the, the engine, though. No, sends out a message out the front. You know, if if an electric car's in America now, if it's doing under 20 kilometres an hour, 12 miles an hour, or is, I'm not quite sure, it has to emit some sort of sound to tell pedestrians. If it's going faster, you assume the road noise will let them know. I'm driving a, a Leaf at the moment and uh, pulled out when I picked it up and nearly, well, I didn't nearly ran over, but a few people were standing there, but they didn't hear me coming
3: by any means. You didn't use your sort of tramway bell, ding-ding sort of stuff. Because <laughs> can imagine in the future, though, the cacophony if different vehicles are using different sounds? It could be a problem. It
1: certainly could be a problem. Being building like a, a guitar or a piano, I mean, Liberace's car would be like a piano, wouldn't it? With the grill like the keys and all that. That'd that that that'd be just high kitsch in the whole sort of you know, sense
3: of the word, wouldn't it? I, I think the, the opportunity then is to to coordinate sort of um, music with composers. So, so an electric car could associate itself beautifully with John Cage, couldn't it? Who famously oh, yes. composed Four Minutes Thirty Three Seconds, which is just silence, yes, three movement composition of nothing. The musicians just sit at their instruments. So, I, I think that idea that um, you know you you have your electric car sponsored by. John Cage is fantastic or, you know, the, the sounds of silence or, yes. or something like that. What a lovely idea. I think certainly the idea of relaxing music would be nice because you could then, I guess, allow manufacturers to hummer. You could imagine some kind of death metal screeching carrying on as, as their electric version drives around. I think we need to regulate this, David, and I think we need to regulate it. Uh, through possibly APRA, (laughs) I charge people huge amounts of money to use
1: musical sound. You talked about four minutes, four minutes, 33 seconds of silence. You know, some guy put in his record one minute of silence, bracket with reference to the original guy, and he sued him for copyright.
3: (laughs) And he won. (laughs) Now, speaking of suing, I think we we would want to get some kind of fun going, David, I think, to prevent some musicians' work being associated with motor vehicles. I'm thinking here, Joko Ono, for a start. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we could think of a few others. We would not want Jimmy Barnes associated with any, any sort of car brand.
1: Your comment is uh, you wouldn't want John Farnham either because
3: <laughs>
1: yes. you'd have to drive down the middle of the road. yeah. Uh, very
3: good. I think I think that's your line. Again and again. <laughs> your, your trip would always be ending and then starting again. <laughs> I'm finished now. <laughs> I've reached my destination. No, no, I'll, I'm I'll back again. It <laughs> <laughs> sound could be the uh, the continual toot toot as people pull away from the house, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that goodbye toot. Just you know, continually. <laughs> Well, if you got hit by Johnny Farnham,
1: could you sue him for saying that I thought you weren't going to come back? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You promised you wouldn't. (laughs) I was here the last time when you said it would be the last time, so I made an effort, and now you're coming back again. (laughs) All right, Brian. Wonderful to talk to you about this. Uh, I'm sure that uh, perhaps others may make suggestions about uh, cars designed by musicians and what they should and perhaps more particularly what they shouldn't have as well. Thanks for your time. Thank you. That's Brian Smith. Here we are on Overdrive. Overdrive. Mm-hmm. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Alan Zervis, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help with this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or our Facebook site, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.